Well, <clears throat> this uh, idea of <clears throat> wisdom accumulation and gray hair don't always follow with uh, the accumulation of birthdays in quite the same tempo that we all sort of assume should, should happen. So I, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, and I guess I'll just let you figure out if I'm wise or not, or guess. But uh, I am one who is here rejoicing in the Lord's goodness, glad that my wife is with me as well. We bring you greetings from not too far from here, from southeast Kansas, and uh, it's a blessing to be here and worship with you. And I uh, just would like to extend on, on, yeah, just to extend as well a blessing on those who call this place home, as well as those who labor in making it home for those who choose to live here. I just pray that God's will and his purposes would be accomplished through this joint effort. <clears throat> July 4th is an interesting holiday in um, this part of God's creation. We just crossed in this part. I'm talking about the USA. Okay, but we just we just passed that, and uh, around it's it's not unusual that at that that time of year, I uh, entertain again thoughts of citizenship, thoughts of responsibility, thoughts of privilege and blessing, thoughts of ambassadorship. And there are different ways in which our lives here as residents of this country have parallels in, in our kingdom residency, in our kingdom citizenship. And I'd just like to invite your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'd like to read the entire chapter in sections. But the length of this chapter, 21 verses, and the duration of this homily, this message... Is going, to, is going to mean that we don't put the plow very deep in all the places in this passage. The first three sections of this chapter, um, I am offering as, one to be making some comments as we go, but that as, as background and introduction to the last part that actually talks then about ambassadorship. So, I'd like to read the first five verses, and I would like to have you notice in these verses how the idea of us being eternal beings is laid out in these, in these verses. There's other things said, but I'd like for you to notice that particularly... First, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
Verse 1, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be, that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. For not for that, I'm sorry, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon with more, that mortality might be swallowed up in life. Now he that, now he hath wrought us for the selfsame thing. Now he that wrought, I'm sorry. <clears throat> now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of his spirit. And there's different thoughts uh, supporting this, but I would like to point out, particularly in verse 4, the last part, that mortality might be swallowed up in life. So we are eternal beings, and there is a, there is a very real way in which we can today, in this mortal flesh, taste of eternal life because that's what we're designed for but there is another sense in which after we die that's when eternal life takes on a different dimension for the believer but it is let's not forget that we are eternal beings and we will either eternally live or eternally die and so that is, that's, that's kind of what I would like for us to remember out of this first section. Let's go on and read now, beginning at verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. And I would like to add this parenthetical thought. The verse 11 makes reference to the terror of the Lord. And I really, really appreciated the comments that Leonard made at the beginning with regard to fear, fear of the Lord. And so helpfully pointed out that there is a fear in this life that tends to paralyze us. And that's actually kind of what the enemy would like us to do, to be paralyzed. But the fear of the Lord is an enabling fear. And it is the, the fear of the Lord, the terror of the Lord, that, that gives us the, uh, the uh, capacity to live as he would desire that we live. I am... I am understanding from these verses that 
it's true that we will live eternally, we will exist eternally. And because of that, it's very important that we live in a state of preparedness for death. You know, we're going we're gonna to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So, you know, it, it's important that we live in a state of preparedness. And I'd like to contrast that living in, this, in a state of preparedness with getting ready. And maybe I'm splitting hairs. Maybe I'm splitting hairs and making a, you know, um, making a distinction where we really don't need to. But I am a little bit um, not sure that the emphasis on getting ready is always the best emphasis for a believer. Because as we understand the importance of readiness, I believe our appreciation for and our desire to live in a perpetual state of preparedness should grow. Does, does that make sense? So yeah, it's important to get ready if we aren't there. But it's important to live ready all the time so that there's no getting ready to do. Because oftentimes those who experience death don't have the opportunity to prepare. So that's why we are called to live in a state of preparedness. For whether we labor that... Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. We live in that awareness. Okay, we're eternal beings. Let's live in a state of perpetual preparedness. Now verse 12. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory in our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we also judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now remember, I said I'd like to think with you a little bit about considerations of ambassadorship, about the role of being an ambassador. And we're kind of laying some of the groundwork that I think facilitates that understanding. First, we said we are eternal beings and we should live in a preparedness, state of preparedness that uh, that, that awareness brings. And now in this section... We understand it is the love of Christ that provides us with the motivation to do what we do. It's the love of Christ that constrains us. And constrains is an interesting word. I'm not sure if... Well, it's just a good word. But there are some kind of synonyms. But constrain constrains us helps us understand that we are, in a sense, obligated. We're at least called and invited and motivated in this way. So it is the love of Christ that constrains us. And I want to say to the role of being an ambassador. Let's go on then, verse 16 and following. 
Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What is an ambassador? Webster defines it this way. Ambassador is an, an official envoy, a diplomatic agent of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as a resident representative of his or own his or her own government or sovereign, or appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignment. Now, if you, t you followed all the twists and turns of that definition, you did better than I did at the first reading. We can maybe sort of simple, uh, we can maybe sort of distill it down and say, an ambassador is a, usually it's a government appointee to another government to represent the interests of the one who appointed them. So, what is an ambassador and what does he or she do? Well, an ambassador is a foreigner uh, where residence and citizenship are in different places. Usually, and just in a, in, a, in, a, in a political sense, an ambassador from the U.S. to Mexico, he, his citizenship is in the U.S., but he lives in Mexico to do the work of ambassadorship, okay? An ambassador is on assignment, on an official appointment and authorization. And the conduct and duties of the ambassador are directed by the country of citizenship, okay? There's, a, there's in missionary circles, there's a, a, a term that is used one that when you're when you're serving abroad, you have your resident country and your passport country. Okay, well that's a little bit like your citizenship country. It's it it's functions the same. The uh, the ambassador is backed up or supported, receives support from the home country from his place of his or her place of citizenship. And of course, I said, he or she is supposed to represent the interests of his or her country of citizenship. This assignment is often temporary. And one thing that is not, not as quite as much stressed in a geopolitical sense as it is in a kingdom sense Part of the work of, an, of ambassadorship is the, the, uh, the work of reconciliation. 
Okay? Now, we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors. We are foreigners. Those of us who are part of the kingdom of God. We're foreigners. Our residence is here, but, our, but our citizenship is elsewhere. And, and there's different ways that this affects our conduct here. It, of course, means that we don't want to get embroiled in anything that has to do with the kingdom of darkness. But it also, it also affects how we are involved in earthly kingdoms. Because we have, we have an allegiance that, that is primary. Now, it's true that, e that even in a geopolitical sense, ambassadors are subject to the laws of their country of residence. They're not free to, uh, to disregard those. And so I think there's a similar way in which we try to cooperate in as much as is possible. But we have a primary and a secondary allegiance that should be very clear. Our primary allegiance is to our country of citizenship, which is the kingdom of heaven. And that supersedes these other things. Jesus, when he was questioned by Pilate in John chapter 18, verse 36... He replied, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Jesus had an opportunity to be involved in civil affairs on, in a whole, in different ways and on different occasions. In fact, they, the Jews sought to make him king. But he said, that's not what he's here for. His kingdom is elsewhere. My wife Brenda and I lived combined, she a little more than six years, and me about six years in El Salvador. And... Uh, <clears throat> Part of that time was before we were married, and the last four years was after we were married. But when we were in El Salvador in the late 80s, uh, there I gave you a little clue that I'm at least older than that. But uh, uh, in the late 80s, there were different kinds of foreigners there. There was a time when there was actually a guerrilla war going on, uh, something of a civil war, a guerrilla resistance. There were mercenaries there. And these mercenaries were foreigners who were brought in and were hired to fight. And they were, they were ones who, they were people who used violence to bring, to bring about change. And then there were also ambassadors and diplomats from other countries who were there. And they were, they were a little bit more, at least... Inasmuch as their presence caused violence, it was at least in a more indirect sort of way. And uh, they were trying to achieve change through diplomatic channels and through, uh, through um, normal processes. But we were neither one. We were missionaries. And 
as resident aliens, part of our part of our package of being there was that we were not to engage in business nor in politics. Because it was our we were privileged to be there as guests and we were privileged we were we were is okay for us to evangelize and do that sort of thing and part of the time I was uh, involved in doing legal work for the mission uh, part of the time uh, then when we went back as a family I taught school Brenda worked in the clinic a clinic and she taught school uh, so we were those things were fine to do but as far as we needed a different sort of permission to actually it would have needed to actually engage in business or business efforts or for sure uh, we're not supposed to be involved in politics. I'm not sure how you think about business interests. There are ways in which I think business interests tend to anchor us where those investments are made that can have a healthy aspect to it but can also militate against against our primary citizenship commitment and, and I would just think it's okay for us to be a little thoughtful about how these sorts of things affect us because I'm not uh, I hope you don't go home and say the preacher said we shouldn't do anything with business because if that's what you heard either I misspoke or you heard wrong I'm just saying let's be careful let's be thoughtful that these kinds of involvements are such that they build the kingdom rather than detract from our our contribution to it. So as ambassadors, we are foreigners. As ambassadors, we don't act on our own. We're not pursuing our own interests. We're pursuing kingdom interests because we understand that we are here for a time. And it is the love of Christ that constrains us. And, and I think that love of Christ is multifaceted. So first of all, it is, it is because we have been loved by him that we have something to offer those around us. But it is also the love that he puts in us. And, and maybe it's the same thing that can reach out and draw others to him. And, and it, is, it is Christian love rather than, well, human love is great, okay? But, but, but real Christian love draws others to Christ, doesn't it? As it's, as it's exercised. And it is the love of Christ that both calls others to him. It is the love of Christ that enables us to reach out. It is the love of Christ that is most effective when it's viewed by others as such rather than a selfish human love. 
and uh, the impetus for what we do comes from outside of where we live. What is our assignment as ambassadors? Well, we are working under a king who will vanquish all enemies, so we operate in the fear of the Lord. Here again, the terror of the Lord is what's, what is mentioned in verse 11. We understand something about the importance of reconciliation while the window of opportunity is still open. Remember, we are eternal beings. It is because we understand that, that we, uh, we're eternal beings and we understand that we should live in that preparedness. And so, but there's coming a time when, when the curtain will close. So we understand something of the importance. And may I just say the urgency of reconciliation while the window of opportunity is open. And reconciliation is an important aspect of our ambassadorship today. Reconciliation implies several things. For there to be, for something to be reconciled, it means that there was a prior relationship or something a connection, a relationship, and then there, there was estrangement, and then it's been brought back together. And, and isn't, that the, isn't that the story? Isn't that all of our story? You see, we were created by God to enjoy a relationship with him. But sin came along and created separation and distance. <coughs> Excuse me. And it is in being reconciled. That we, that we, and when we come to him, that we are reconciled. That's, that's beautiful. This task force of ambassadorship has different roles. There are supporting roles, there are frontline roles, etc. But I would like to lift three tools from this passage that I, I propose are tools to do the work of being an ambassador. And they're found in verse 17, verse 18, and verse 19. And one, verse 17, it is a transformed life. We can't be an ambassador for anything without, without being, for, for the kingdom without being transformed. If, he, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And it is from that, from that reality that we are able to offer something. A transformed life is number one. Another tool is simply the, the avenue of reconciliation. We can facilitate that for others. And third, in verse 19, we have been committed, it has been committed unto us, the word of reconciliation. Word is logos. And in this case, yes, the scripture is powerful and two-edged, 
But you know, it's, it's in this sense, the word is a little broader than just scripture. It's logos. It, it is the person of Jesus Christ as well that indwells us. And it is the scripture. And it is, it is the message. So, a transformed life. And it is a relationship with God. And it is the word of reconciliation. The work of ambassadorship is a temporary assignment. Let's not forget that as we labor as ambassadors for him in this place, let's not forget that one day we're going home. And it might not be too long. For some of us, it might be pretty soon. But that's a blessing. The assignment is temporary, and we're going home. Those of us who are who are residents of that kingdom. Let's pray.